Welcome to the Design for Healing podcast. This is your host, Alex Parnell. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the Austin, Texas area. I'm here to introduce you to and share the wisdom of some amazing helpers and healers from around the world. Enjoy the show. Susie, thank you so much for joining me. I want to start by introducing you. Susie Solshine is a trained drum and rhythm facilitator. She uses an evidence-based program called Health Rhythms to help people relax, connect, re-energize, and heal. Susie also facilitates monthly drum circles to connect people to community and the healing power of rhythm. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to hear about you, what you do, share that with everyone, and hear about this healing power. Awesome. I'm excited to have a space to talk about it because it's my passion. Yes. Where should we start? Should we go back to um, how you found it or should we start with what it is? Well, um, I guess if we start at the beginning of why it became important to me to pursue this particular path of drumming, because drumming certainly takes many forms in our culture and in cultures around the world. So I guess maybe just starting at the foundational story of how it became rhythm as my tool for healing uh, as opposed to anything else. Does that make sense? Sounds perfect. Okay. So I started playing the drums probably about 15 years ago uh, as a, just a recreational thing I felt like doing. I had, I had played music as a kid and growing up, I always played an instrument and I was just really missing having that, that collaborative process that you can only really get from music, particularly if you have musical background. And so I had the opportunity to take a West African drum class. This is when my son was really small. And I went to the class, instantly fell in love with it, and went on to drum with this same group of women for the next about eight years. And what was unique to the beginning of my journey with this group, it became evident to me as I was going into a very difficult, very unexpected time period. When I reflected later, it occurred to me that the one thing that didn't change in my life was my drumming. The drumming brought me back week after week. And I continued to drum with this group. I continued to learn. I continued to find joy from it. And I continued to grow as a drummer. And it was around that time, I had only been drumming maybe about two or three years when my marriage started to fall apart. And it became evident to me that I was living inside of a very toxic abusive relationship, which was a pretty hard pill to swallow initially, kind of thinking, well, this doesn't happen to people like me, and this couldn't be happening, it's all in my head, whatever, the stories we tell ourselves. So through the support of some friends and family, when I began to talk about what was going on in my life, it became clear that that's what the situation was. And so I slowly took steps to extract myself from the relationship, and of course my child as well. And I still marvel at the fact that I made it to my drum lessons. <laughs> and when I think about that now, kind of shockingly, I remember having these arguments uh, with my husband at the time where I would say, I'm going to drum lessons. I would risk it all to get there, you know, and I would take my son with me sometimes. And so it became clear in retrospect that there was something else going on here. This wasn't just about drumming. What and, kept uh, you going back? 
what kept you returning time after time? Well, I think at the very foundational level, it felt good. You know, it felt good in my body. I felt relaxed there. I could laugh. I could forget <laughs> about everything else, remarkably, that was going on outside my life. And it was a group of women, and it wasn't specifically a women's drum class, but it kind of fleshed out that way where it was mostly women. And I was at an age where, you know, new to motherhood and, and somewhat isolated because I was new also to Austin. And so it was these women who were mostly older than me with just such varied stories. We didn't sit around and chat, but the stories would come through as we played together, little anecdotes here and there. And I started to kind of pick up on the wisdom and it felt encouraging to know that other people had gone through difficult times and came out the other side. And the tool that really facilitated that connection was the drum. Of course, at the time, I was just happy to be there. And I felt like a little kid, you know, I'd be listening to everybody. And my overachiever nature when I try a new skill is I want to be as good as I can, you know. So I was in it. I really wanted to do well with it. So I think that's really what kept me coming back. And encouragement, you know, my drama teacher, she was very vocal about you have some natural ability here. And she started to use me kind of as her little example, you know, and of course that just made my little nerd self <laughs> so happy that I got to be the teacher's helper, you know. But it was also lifting me up in ways that I wasn't getting in other areas of my life. And so it intrinsically, my body knew that I needed it. It was medicine for me. I know that we're going to get into the science of rhythm and connection and how you've later learned what was going on for you in your brain in that time. Yeah. But I love this just simple... It felt good. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think we could just leave it at that. And, um, <laughs> right. and, the end. And <laughs> let people know, like, hey, it feels good. And, and you could feel that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I started to think about, well, what else was I doing in my life that also felt good, you know, and how this one kind of not only felt good, but then once I was able to get out of that relationship and move into the next chapter of my life, the drumming continued, but then I had all these new challenges. And I was just thinking about this last night, actually. I was thinking about how, because now we're living in this bizarre world without you know getting too deeply into it. Everyone that I talk to, we're all uh, looking for ways to kind of level out the central nervous system, you know, where it's like this kind of frenzied state. And so I was thinking about what I was feeling during that time. And because I was doing so much drumming, it, it helped my brain in such a way that I was able to, of course, this is in retrospect after I've, I've learned more about it, but really get those tasks done very methodically that I needed to do in order to survive, you know, finding a place to live, finding a job, finding help for my son, you know, finding a support system, that kind of stuff, which when I think about it in retrospect, how the heck did I do that and keep my sanity? And I really do believe that having this uh, community of people to connect with really was integral. So you found it through a, it was a music oriented group, right? Yeah, it was actually a group called the Austin Holistic Mothers. And we used to try to find different activities for us to engage in as a group. And this one just struck me because it was music. And the ancient history of the drum was something that I'd always been fascinated by. I had banged on drums before, but I, I really wanted to understand how to play correctly and learn history. 
So when did the shift come from learning drumming mm -hmm. and being music and, and having all these positive side effects that you were just benefiting from? When did it shift from that to this is therapy and your own recognition of that and the recognition of and I can provide it for others? Yeah, that's a really excellent question. And I'm glad it's been a few years <laughs> since this hit me because had you asked me that question a few years ago, I wouldn't have really been able to answer it because I've done a lot of searching to figure out why I keep getting drawn back. But I would say, so Soul Shine Rhythm Experience, we are going into our fifth year. So that's when that community was kicked off. So I will say probably just before that, I started to have this ache again to make music. And I should preface that by saying I moved physically, geographically from the area where I was doing a lot of this participation with this group. I had to leave Austin because I couldn't afford it. And so I moved up north and uh, a couple of years went by where I wasn't making music with them. And one day it just hit me and I was like, gosh, I miss it. And I saw my drum in the corner and I hadn't played it with anybody other than myself and too long. And I, I decided, you know what, this is going to be the year that I'm bringing music back into my life. I'm going to start going to see more shows. And, and of course, it was on the heels of a particularly interesting chapter. <laughs> and so I, I stuck with that commitment and I went out to support my friend's bands and, and really started to get more involved in just seeing music and filling my spirit that way. And then I connected with some drummers and then I decided, you know, I'm going to start my own drum circle because I lived in Cedar Park at this point didn't know anybody. And so I, I kicked off the community drum circle and leading up to that part. And I'm sure many folks can relate to this. You have those moments where you just have this, this clarity and these like random acts of bravery. I look back and I'm like, why did I think that would work? You know, but something did and just call it divine intervention, call it your spirit awakening, whatever you want to attribute it to. But that's what I did. And so during that time, I started researching drum circle facilitation. What does that mean? because I took it seriously. I thought I had been to facilitated events before for fun, where a drum circle facilitator stands up and kind of engages the group because it's usually non-musicians, non-performers, and he's able to get it into this cohesive music making unit. And it could be hundreds of people and suddenly we're all in trains together. So to me, I thought if I'm gonna do this, I wanna do this properly. I wanna you know, pay homage to the the, the, I had a tremendous amount of respect for that, that skill. And so as I started diving into it, I started reading about the therapeutic benefits. And then I started seeing all this list of things that it was, they were talking about me. <laughs> they were talking about what I had experienced. And then I just dove into that rabbit hole. And I thought how I want to get my hands on as many tools as I can to really bring this community to really connect it through the intention of building community and using drumming to do that. So it kind of morphed from a selfish motive of, I want to drum into, I want to connect with people. I want to connect with my community. And how can I do that with what I have to bring to the table? I love how one of the inherent pieces to this is community and its connection. This isn't something that is a solo endeavor. I imagine it can be, but drum circles, it's the circle. Yeah. And so in, in you, in you finding what you needed for yourself, it just 
automatically meant that you were building community. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like how you're making me think about it in different ways. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's accurate. And so let's dive into a little bit of the science. Since you've done this trainings and you've done all this learning, what is it that's going on that means healing is happening for someone who is exercising rhythm? Yeah. Well, I think to thoroughly answer that question, it's important to go all the way back. And when you look at drumming from a historical perspective, and we're talking ancient civilization, pre-language, if you explore every culture that existed on the planet, you will find drumming in one form or another. And you will find music and you will find movement. And these three things together have this amazing synergistic effect when it comes to not only creating community, but giving a platform for telling stories for the history of the community and just a perfect place for people to gather and to unify. And so when we look now, you know, rhythm is like the backbone of music, right? So that is the spot where it's the foundation. And I think what tends to happen in terms of the therapeutic effect, it creates a common ground. So even now, you know, you go out to a dance club and, you know, it's that thumping rhythmic vibe that gets everybody connected on the dance floor. You go back ten thousands of years and you see that same level of connection happening. And so it also speaks a lot to our individual cultures, right? So you take anybody's background, you go far enough back, you're going to find drumming and music and folk dance and all of that at the root of it. It's a beautiful avenue for telling our stories. And we all have one, right? So I think it connects us on a such a deep, deep level in terms of just that primal release of dopamine, of the joy hormone that, that gives us that just, ah, I just feel so good. I just feel so free. And, and I challenge you to find anybody who can listen to their favorite song and not start tapping their foot or not start physically moving in some way, right? And that's one thing when we talk about the universal language of music, we talk about the universal rhythm, which is the heartbeat, which is the very first sound that we all heard. And that is sort of like the universal birthright is, is the heartbeat. It's the one thing all of humanity has in common that we spent that time in the womb hearing our mother's heartbeat as the first sound. So to me, it seems pretty natural that rhythm would be in our blood, literally in our blood. So kind of got a little, a little off topic there in terms of answering your question. But as far as the, the therapeutic benefits go, I mean, we can touch on that now if you just want a, a, an overview of what that looks like. You mentioned the synergistic effect of three things. What are those three things? Well, there's the social element that happens, right? So the, the community, there is the physical element. So the, the moving of the body, the movement of the dance, the movement of the literally playing the drums. And then we've got our cognitive space. So what's going on in the brain. And then there really is a fourth, which is the creative, where it's a, a perfect platform for self-expression um, when we talk about dance and movement. And one of the things that we've seen happen, and this is unfortunate, and this is why I feel so honored to do the type of work I do, if we want to call it work, because it's so much, but is to strip away those notions of not being good enough, right? So one of the things that has developed as society has advanced and evolved is the performance aspect, right? And 
the ego gets in the way of us connecting with the rhythm. And as we get older, you know, and you see with children, they get on the dance floor, you put music on anywhere. They're dancing in the supermarket. They're, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about if they look cool. They're not thinking about if they're on the beat. They are just feeling it and they're letting loose. And it's beautiful, right? And I don't know about you, but I've seen some adults do that too. I've seen some folks who, you know, just they let go. And for some other people who are watching that, it might make them feel uncomfortable and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they aren't able to do that as well for whatever blockages they have, right? So where the magic happens for me is when I see somebody that's able to just let it go and feel that rhythm. And so this utilizing the drum in this capacity helps us to tap into that, letting go of the ego, letting go of judgments, letting go about what people are going to think of whether we're doing it correctly. And you don't need any training whatsoever to move your body to a rhythm. You don't. It's your birthright to be able to react physically to what you're hearing in the rhythm. So when I think about synergy, that's what I think. This music, drumming, movement, dancing, it sounds like you're saying that for thousands of years, that was so normal. It's been the natural and automatic way of connecting and feeling and somehow we lost it and in some places in recent times we lost it and we also have blocks there's blocks between us and imagining ourselves getting into the rhythm yes i would say that that's accurate from a perspective of music as medicine music as connection music as healing right so we all have songs that we love We all have music that moves us. And I think the piece that can be missing in order to get the full synergistic effect is the creative expression of that feeling to fully integrate what we're feeling into our body. And that's where the magic happens in the brain in terms of why connecting with rhythm and utilizing rhythm with movement is having more of an impact than sitting there and listening to it as a a passive activity. Which is great too. I mean, amazing things are happening in that context, but I'm I'm not a music therapist and I don't pretend to be one. So I'm not going to speak too much to what's going on there in terms of music as just listening and enjoying it. But we know that our brain processes music differently than any other information and it's processed in a different part of the brain. So it's retained differently. So there's absolutely therapeutic benefits there, but speaking specifically to rhythm and what we've lost in our relationship to it has more to do with, like you said, those blockages where we don't let ourselves be free in the moment to express ourselves how we really want to. So it's the output, the expression, then say um, following a pre-made dance. So to say someone else made a dance mm-hmm. and then sure, that's, that's great to learn someone's dance and to be able to recreate it. But still there's, there wouldn't be that, element that you're talking about, the, your personal expression? Well, that's a, actually a really interesting way to think about it because when we're talking about the brain and why rhythm impacts the brain, we're talking about neuroplasticity, really. So essentially how the brain changes and adapts to our environment. And what's really amazing about now <laughs> is that we have the science and, the, and the, the research that is actually starting to back up what the ancients have known for thousands of years, right? So people, 
never stop doing these things. And now we can say, here's why. So the brain is a lot more flexible than we previously thought. So when you are doing something like learning a dance and you are creating new synaptic connections. So if we want to start talking a little bit about the science, so you've got your mm. nerve cells and your neurons, right? So your synaptic connections are essentially that highway through which information is transported. And so the more of those synaptic connections we have, the more efficient our brain and just enhances our cognitive function overall. So activities that unfortunately modern society often engages in are degenerative or neurodegenerative and can be, and can be risk factors for neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, rather like dementia, Alzheimer's, that sort of thing. And so activities like watching TV or just passively searching the internet or just sedentary behaviors that are not really engaging the brain are not good for creating new connections. So if you were to do an activity, for example, learning a new dance, even if it's not your dance and you pull up YouTube and you find some groovy new dance move you want to learn, even the process of learning that new skill is going to have a positive impact on your synaptic count. So even if you're not good at it, it doesn't matter. It's just the very act of trying. It's the very act of challenging your brain. And what's really cool, and this is what's so, so unique about drumming, is you are utilizing both sides of your brain and you're utilizing your limbs. So the more movement that's involved, the better. The more senses that you're engaging in, you're going to have an even greater cognitive boost and create even more of those connections. And then you start creating those with repetition, those neural pathways that keep even more of them. So now you're enhancing your memory, you're enhancing your critical thinking, your problem solving, your language skills. All of these are elements that get benefit from firing up the synaptic highway. Does that make sense? So the learning something that's already been created idea, that is helpful. It's helpful to follow mm -hmm. someone. I would say from my personal experience of doing this work, there's absolutely value in learning what someone is uh, teaching you to do, particularly if it's a new skill for you. So that would really speak to the cognitive piece. When we get into the creative piece, it's almost like you've got that foundation of creating these new pathways, right? So we'll take drumming as an example, since this is what we're talking about. I have seen so many students come through, and I will say I work primarily with adults in, in my classes. I've done programs for children as well, which is a whole different animal, <laughs> but also different but the same. And the adults that come into my classes are often there for one reason or very similar reasons, which is they want to feel more free. They want to feel looser. They want to get out of their head and get into their body. And so the classes that I've designed are not really about becoming the best drummer you can be, or we're going to do traditional West African drum rhythms and that's it. And you're going to learn it. And, you know, and that serves a place too. That those are wonderful programs too, for folks that want to go that way. But I've learned through doing this work that people just want to relax and have fun in a space where they feel comfortable and safe to do that. And some of the feedback that I've gotten from people is, I don't have to be afraid to make a mistake. 
they struggle with it maybe a little bit, but they're coming around, right? So I'm attempting to create that space for them. So we will start a program, say, I'll teach a, a basic West African rhythm. And when I say a rhythm, it's a pattern of beats. So I have my drum. Can I, should I play one for you real quick? Would that be helpful yeah. as a little visual? Let's try it out. Let's see what it sounds like. I know I'm not going to hit it as hard as I normally would because I've, I've done enough online drum sessions to know that that doesn't work. So we've basically got two sounds. Can you hear that? Mm -hmm. All right. So let's say I was teaching this pattern. Okay. So that's a real simple pattern. However, we're going to add another pattern to that so those two patterns will communicate. So if I were to teach that one pattern, and I'll break it down in a way that everybody can learn it, and then we take the other pattern and add it to it. So now we've got a class where one group is playing the one pattern, another group is playing the other pattern. So now we're talking about polyrhythmic music. And just listening to polyrhythmic music has a remarkable effect on the brain. But when you're trying to play something in conjunction with another pattern, you've got a couple of things going on where you're trying to focus on what you're doing, but then you're also listening to what's going on because drumming is so much about listening, of course, which is why it's such a connector. And so the brain is just firing away. You've got all these synapses happening, synaptogenesis uh, festival. So what people tell me is as they're playing this music and they start to be comfortable with this new pattern that they've learned, and those, if we're going back to the science, those new pathways are really getting ingrained in there because repetition is how we learn. Repetition is how we get efficient. Then what happens, they start to spark creativity. So we're playing that one pattern, but in their body, they're feeling something else, right? So now they're wanting to kind of fill it in with a little bit more of themselves. And so one of the things that I focus on in my classes and workshops too is improvisational drumming for that very purpose. So I give a foundation of here's your go-tos. You can always go back to your downbeat, right? Your downbeat. And then you can fill it in and put yourself on the drum. And so when I talk to people like that, in terms of self-expression, that is where the creative piece that we're talking about, the synergistic effect happens. So you've got your cognitive benefits happening surrounding the whole experience and then it shows up as a creative expression when you're not just following somebody else's beats, but you feel safe and free and connected enough to go ahead and create your own. Wow. <laughs> it's, so fun. It's a synaptogenesis festival yeah. happening in the brain. Um, I just made that up. It sounds so amazing. And what I'm also hearing from you is that there's the synaptogenesis. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that's happening out of a whole lot that's going on in these experiences. I also loved what you said about just how you worded putting yourself on the drum. Like, here's the beat and now fill in the rest with you. Yeah. I feel like I can see how some really special things could happen in that. So... You know, the way I utilize the tools that I've learned as a facilitator, it becomes so much about meeting people where they're at, right? And I'm sure you can speak to this in, in your work as well. This is not about me being a drummer. It's not about me being a performer. And there are times where that could be a little challenging because, you know, I just want to play, right? But that's not the space for this. 
And I'm reminded of that when I see somebody tap into something that they didn't know was there, not only creatively, but it's usually rooted in a story that they've held onto their entire life and didn't realize it until they were able to express themselves rhythmically on the drum and realized what they've been holding back. Because typically when we're holding back from expressing ourselves creatively, whether it's art, whether it's dance, whether it's playing an instrument, it's usually because somewhere along the way, someone or something told us that we weren't good enough or shouldn't be doing that. And myself included, you know, I remember thinking, because I played the saxophone all through elementary school and high school and college, and I was good. <laughs> like I have tapes of myself, I'm like, man, I was good. And I thought about studying music, but I told myself, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. That's for people who are really good, right? Nobody ever said that to me. Nobody ever said I wasn't good enough, but that did happen to some people where they said, oh, you don't have any rhythm, you know, sit down, you can't dance. And then they took that and carried it around their entire lives until it showed up on the drum and they just, they lost it. And so you have that, I mean, lost it in a good way. They released it, we'll say. And so some of the populations that I work with in this capacity, when I am utilizing, for example, the health rhythms protocol, that's going to be a little bit different than say a recreational drum circle. So the therapy is still happening at a recreational drum circle. It's just not being guided through the therapeutic tools to create that experience for folks who are maybe not self-selected to be at the therapeutic drum circle. Maybe it's part of a training or a wellness program or something that, you know, they're told they have to go to. So sometimes you have that barrier of folks are like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then five minutes later, they're, they're all in it. But what I love about that is you still get those, those magic moments where people will have an awakening. And so the way the health rhythms protocol is set up, there is some talking involved. There's opportunities, there's sharing moments. So, you know, self-sharing like it's not mandatory by any means, but I am always surprised, one, at how often people share. And secondly, how the common ground shows up, you know, very relatable sharings. And third, I'm always surprised at the person that I thought would never share shares, right? And it reveals to me how I'm still making judgments sometimes when I walk into situation and I see somebody, you know, you kind of scan the room and you're like, all right, here are the participants that, especially with kids, you're like, ah, oh, that kid is potentially going to be, you know, not really engaged in this. And then next thing you know, that kid is leading the pack or spilling his heart out to the rest of the group. So I think that again is where that synergy happens, where the physical aspects of what we're doing really trigger the emotional aspect as a result of having that safe outlet. Yeah. So it could be a lifelong story that's been held in, but mm-hmm. even whether they were aware of it or not. Oftentimes, I think that's what happens is they're drawn to it, but they don't know why they're drawn to do it. I, I know you, you mentioned like they lose it. You, mm-hmm. you said in a good way. I am curious though, that I could imagine there being tears that show up in these moments. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's why it's always important, particularly in the therapeutic environments, to start out our sessions by letting everybody know that what is shared here stays here. And I think it's just those simple words of knowing that we're creating this space for 
all of us to be vulnerable. Like a lot of the places that I go are confidential where I can't share photos. I can't share who was there or what we did. So a lot of people don't understand or recognize, you know, the power in this because I can't tell them Like you have to experience it for yourself in a sense. And one of the environments I got to do a drum circle was at a women's prison and it had been on my list of populations to work with because I just knew it would be powerful. And there are plenty of facilitators around the country or around the world who are working with prison populations. Unfortunately, resources in terms of, you know, most of the time my, my work there is volunteer. But I think I got more out of it in a lot of ways or just as much because you go into a situation that you've never been in before. And I made the decision to go into it with my eyes wide open, right? Just kind of fully present, fully aware. And that is another benefit that we didn't get to, (laughs) the list of benefits, is bringing you into the moment, right? And in doing that and in making that decision, and a lot of that has to do with that. Have you ever been to a prison before? This was my first time. I never never actually have. Yeah, it it was unique. And it was, you know, you walk in and there's all the security protocols you have to go through and you get searched. And of course, I had to do a background check before I got there. So you're already kind of like on high alert, you know? So I made the intention to continue with that and be fully present and listening and hearing everybody. And I was just not only completely in awe of how good I felt in the moment of doing what I, what my role there was to do, but just, you know, being so well received by everybody, but also by the fact, this is what they told me. This is what blew me away. They're not allowed to move freely in prison. And this was a a particular group of women that are in a therapeutic program. So they are accustomed to the group sharing circle format. But when it comes to their day-to-day life, they're not allowed to just start skipping. They're not allowed to break into dance. They're not allowed to just start doing some jumping jacks if their body feels like it needs it. They're not allowed to start singing or just running around. And I thought about that in terms of freedom of movement. And here I am coming in there telling them to sing if you want to, to shout, to get up and shake it, to run around the circle. And of course, in this environment, they were free to do that because it was structured that way. But that blew me away. Like, can you imagine not having the opportunity to just move your body when you feel like moving it? So I started thinking about it as a gift and started to think about it to be hey, I have the ability to move whenever I want to. I need to move it, you know? And so to bring that to them was really powerful and opened up a lot of stories, opened up a lot of sharing. And I was invited back. I haven't been back yet, but I really would like to go back. But just knowing that hearing what they had to say about how powerful it was to take what they were feeling in their body and put it on the drum and how it just changed their whole mindset was was really quite remarkable. This not being able to move, not allowed to move, it's really, I feel really sad hearing about that because I know that one of the essential components of trauma is immobility and feeling constricted, constrained, I can't move, I can't do yeah. do anything. So then how amazing it is for them to get an experience with you where they are allowed to and they can and they can't express and then for you to walk away and have this great gratitude for every step that you take out in the world 
Try to. <laughs> I have moments where I forget. And I will say, I have to commend the woman that brought me in there. She actually is part of a nonprofit, the name of which is escaping me right now. But she specifically started a movement arts arm of that nonprofit to bring movement for that precise purpose to work through the trauma and work through what we're storing in our bodies, of course, as trauma. And so she would do yoga and dance and um, you know, different types of movement combined with music. So it's really encouraging to see that those programs are out there and that there are people that have big enough hearts and are motivated enough to continue to implement them. So that's really wonderful. I know you mentioned earlier a different population. You kind of mentioned the people who are like, oh, I am not really into this. That they're presented with a drum and it's because of what the organization or the company or whatever said they're doing. Which almost sounds like, it sounds like someone saying, I don't need to express myself. And also even I don't need healing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, I hadn't thought about it that way. I wonder what what you see out there as maybe it's misconceptions that people have of drumming, of movement and music and how powerful it can be. Yeah. And that goes back to those blocks we were talking about earlier. So what is this that's getting in the way for people? Well, I would say like many things, front and center is fear, right? And what I hear mostly in my work is when people do verbalize it. And I can also pick up on body language a lot. I think my background of being a photographer <laughs> kind of gave me this observational eye where I can really take in a room. And so you can see, you know, if they're sitting back in their chair, you know, they're not connecting with the drum. Most people will come in and be like, oh, and I have to tell them not to hit it, you know, until it gets started. But then there are other folks that are just like, whatever. So I think it's, it starts out with fears, fear of not being good enough for this, this uh, game we're going to play. Is it fear of looking silly, fear of making a mistake? I don't get a whole lot into the work that I do. I don't get a whole lot into digging at backstories. So, so much of what we do is focused on positive psychology. In other words, finding the things that we value, the positives, and how we want to bring more of that into our lives, into the forefront. And that may involve the individual sharing or reflecting openly about some of the bad patterns or some of the bad experiences, some of the bad choices, and how that has impacted where they feel they are now. However, we're going to emphasize the positive things. So this is particularly important when we're working with folks who are in recovery, right? What makes a good friend? What are the characteristics of a good friend? And then we'll talk about what those things are. And then we'll come up with rhythms to put that on the drum. And so when we take that information and put it on the drum, it is creating the repetition that we talked about earlier. And it's also creating support because we're all doing it together. So I think fear is a big blocker that takes, as you know, a million different forms. And so folks who are maybe a little bit snarky about it, oh, this is dumb, you know, or just a bunch of hippies drumming around a fire, you know, that's a big misconception that we get in terms of drumming. And that does happen, absolutely. However, 
part of that, I think, is folks that don't feel included. And so one of the intentions with my events, my recreational events, my private events, is to really establish a spirit of inclusion, that anybody can do this, despite musical background, despite experience, no skill required. If you have a heartbeat, you can drum. And I really hammer that in. And so those folks that might be resistant, I will observe their interaction and their personality. And if I see a little glimpse of, oh, I can, I can play with this person a little bit. This person has a sense of humor. This person wants to participate, but might be a little bit afraid. And we've all seen this with kids too, right? Like the kids that even the negative attention is good attention, right? So when I see somebody that I can see that they're resistant, but they also kind of want me to call on them, I might call them out to help me with a, a task, like maybe be my beat keeper, for example, which is a very important role. So if I notice that they are actually pretty adept at what we're doing here, I might call them over and say, hey, or give them a drumstick or give them another tool to be kind of my sidekick. And oftentimes that's really where, you know, they take on this is some pride and that empowers them. It's a positive association. And then they are then getting another level of healing out of that experience, right? And then there's other folks that you watch them and you think, okay, well, they're just going to go through the motions and that's totally fine. And they're not being disruptive. They're not making fun of anybody else. They're just doing the bare minimum to get through this experience. And you have to respect that too, because that's layers that it's not my job to peel back. But this could be the initial trigger for them to kind of do some self-examination, you know, why did that bother me so much or whatever. And what I see happen very often, particularly in recreational drum circles, is I will see people, like if we do it at a park, which is just an open event, and then I'll see people come up, kind of hang out outside the circle, and I'll watch them for a while, and maybe I'll, I'll run over and just say hi and hand them a shaker, which is just like a little egg shaker, which is a whole lot less intimidating than and a big old drum like this. And so they'll say, oh, thanks, you know, and they'll sit there for a minute. Next thing you know, they're shaking it and they're, they're grooving to the beat a little bit. And the next thing you know, I see them slowly walk into the center of the circle where I have all of my instruments and they'll come in and take a little drum. And then it, it kind of builds and builds until they're sitting in the circle with their own drum engaged with the group. And creating that pressure-free environment of, hey, you do you. This is, we're, nobody is trying to be a rock star here. This is not about being the best. This is about being together. And we're all contributing something to this rhythm. If you've got something to say and you want to say it through your instrument or your body, then you're welcome to say it. So if not, you're welcome to just sit back and listen. And I think that that is what I've experienced as a facilitator as part of my role is to really be able to meet people where they're at so that they can get the best experience. I feel like there are so many lessons in what you're sharing. There's so many ways in which what you're talking about, how you facilitate these experiences are directly relatable to almost every area of life as being something helpful, a helpful way of, of approaching life and going through yes. life. You're talking about a drum circle, but these concepts and these ways of approaching it are so transferable. And I feel like we've 
just scratch the surface everything that you have to share. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do this again. <laughs> and have you come back and let's talk more and go deeper because it really does feel like just this little bit of all that you could have shared with me. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny in preparing for our talk today, I was gathering my thoughts and just trying to think, okay, well, let's obviously we can't talk about all of it in an hour, so we want to center it. But I think that the two biggest pieces for me that I would like people to walk away with is if you engage in an activity, whether it be drumming or dance or, or something where you're utilizing rhythm and movement, if you feel amazing afterwards, that's not an accident. And letting folks know that there is something actually physiologically going on in your brain that's making you healthier. And if I could have everybody experience a drum circle in order to feel that, I mean, that's really my mission, right? I really want everybody to do that. And just to your point about the transferable experiences, one of the, the biggest things I hear from folks in terms of being a catalyst to another area of their life is people who come to my drum circle by themselves oftentimes. And we're talking mostly folks who are, I want to say, in the over 40 uh, age, whether they're lonely, whether they're just looking for connection, whether they're just wanting to try something new. I've heard multiple times that just the very act of joining into that circle, feeling the feel good of being included and part of something bigger, actually empowered them to another act of bravery in their daily life. And I mean, what more can I ask for really, right? Like if our little jump circle gave you the courage to go do something that you wanted to do that you didn't think you could do, then my work here is done. It makes so much sense that that would be the case. Even just the safety feeling, the feeling like I belong, that would be energizing. It'd increase your capacity for whatever challenge you'd face. Last couple of questions. One is for someone who's not ready to go to your jump circle. Mm -hmm. It seems almost as if in order to experience anything in this realm, you have to show up. But I'm wondering, what can someone do to open up themselves to this idea? Is there something they can try out by themselves? Well, I would say if it's something they want to do completely on their own to maybe just get in that space of feeling a little bit familiar. Something as simple as listening to highly percussive music, something like Latin music, even, you know, of course, African music, and particularly with the intention to see how it makes you feel. And I say that because I, I've listened to that music for as long as I can remember. And so sometimes it's like jungle music. And when I say jungle, it's, it's that just primitive tribal, the, the drums, the shakers, all of it, all of the, the percussion working together and as the backbone, but then also as the star of the music. And so when I think about like, just that, that kind of tapping into that, because we all have those moments where you just want to, you know, beat on your chest, go crazy. And listening to that kind of music can really ignite something in you that you may not know was there. Or it could even just be traditional African music, but something that is really drum and percussion heavy, just to familiarize yourself with that feeling of multiple 
percussion elements happening simultaneously and sitting back with it and just seeing what happens in your body. And, you know, this is what I encourage people to do when they come to our drum circles too, because I think there's a lot of pressure sometimes where they feel like they have to start playing when everybody's playing. No, you play when you feel like you've got something to say. And that could be as simple as the downbeat just to get yourself connected to the rest of the group. So sitting back and closing your eyes and, and removing that one sense to hone in on the other senses can be a really powerful way to familiarize yourself with that music in preparation for attending an event that is obviously percussion-based. I'll get some recommendations from you that I can include in the show notes. Oh, okay, cool. For people to try out. And then lastly, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, there's a couple places. Soul Shine Rhythm, and that's S-O-U-L, shinerhythm.com is my website. And so I'll just give you that one spot because that'll link you to all the other spots. So I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And of course I have a newsletter, but all of that can be found through the, the website portal. I do events all over the Austin area. I do my absolute best to keep them all updated on the website because people actually want to come. <laughs> so we keep it going. When is it's a monthly circle that you do? Yeah. So the monthly community circle is in Cedar Park, and that's the fourth Saturday of every month. So we've been doing that circle every month for four years. And I just think that's amazing. I mean, that in and of itself, that people keep coming, it keeps growing, and lots of beautiful things have been born out of it, including marriages, and business relationships, and friendships. I met my husband at my own drum circle. So, wow, that's amazing. Isn't that cool? That's one of my favorites. Yes. It almost feels made up, but it's actually true. And the the drum really brought us, you know, common ground. The drum is what brought us there. And we, like I said, we're doing it in, you know, one of my priorities is always to make everybody feel comfortable in this space. So based on current provisions and things that people need to do to make themselves feel comfortable that is all going to be taken into consideration. So if you want more details on that, you can find it on the website. Soulshinerhythm.com. That's right. I'm so thankful to have connected with you and also so thankful that you are providing what you are to the community and to each individual who shows up in one of your drum and rhythm spaces. And I'm excited for the future and, and all the more amazing moments that are going to be created for everyone who gets involved. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alex, for reaching out and inviting me to talk about this and having the understanding of its importance. And I love that you're exploring all these different alternative uh, approaches to wellness. So keep it up. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who you think would also appreciate it. Have a good day and we'll see you next time.